0: We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join us for the broadcast today. And what an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. We're studying together in 2 Corinthians, and we are in chapter 3. In fact, we're going to wrap it up today, move on to chapter 4, next Bible study. And I am looking forward to the uh, scriptures, the context of the text that we're going to look at today. I believe it'll be a help to you, as it's been a help to me. And I'm praying God will speak to our hearts in a powerful, personal way, unmistakable, that God will give us something that we need. And that's the good thing about God. I don't have to tell you this, you already know it. But wherever you find yourself, wherever you are today, whatever you stand in need of, God knows all about it, and God is able to meet the need. In fact, God wants to meet that need in your life. God desires to. God wants to bless, and God wants to help, and God wants to heal, and God wants to provide, and God wants to direct, and whatever it is, God has a desire to help his children. And thank God for that truth. He's a loving Abba Heavenly Father, thank God for the truth. And we're going to look here uh, in these final verses, but before we get to that, let me remind you about the podcast just because somebody might be listening today that has missed some of the previous bible studies that we've done and the podcast is where you'll find every other bible study they're all archived there and we keep them there for you to listen to it's all free just go to wherever you find your podcasts type in striving for revival and then you'll see us there hit subscribe and you'll have instant access to every bible study we've done hundreds of bible studies 10 minute long studies that you can use as a supplement not to replace but in addition to your Uh, your own Bible study time. And I want to emphasize that be a studier of the Bible, a student, I push that all the time with the boys in the college and things when I get a chance to be with them. We need to love the Word of God. We need to long to be in the Word of God. We need to live in it. That is our book. I mean, just like a mechanic knows his tools and an artist knows his brush and a musician knows his instrument, you and I, who are preachers especially, but every Christian, we ought to know our Bible. It is our lamp, it is our sword, and it is our guidebook for a godly life, and we need the Bible. So study your Bible and make it a point to hear from heaven every time you open up God's Word. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 began with Paul on the defense, having to validate himself and sort of tongue in cheek saying, Do I need more references? Do I need a resume? Do we need to remind you of what we've done among you? I mean, do you need me to rehearse again how I've labored and spent my life to be a blessing to you? I mean, what, what in the world am I going to have to do here, fellas? Because the Corinthians were criticizing Paul, questioning Paul, and that was all rooted in their carnality. I don't doubt that maybe they were a little bit upset with Paul's letter, 1 Corinthians, that corrected them, and carnality always questions leadership. It always does. It always criticizes. It always comes from that same place. So Paul reminds them, I, I minister to you not not in flesh, uh, or rather not in tables of stone, but in the fleshy tables of the heart. I give you my heart, not in the law or the letter, but rather of the Spirit. And so Paul has been emphasizing the contrast as he got into this topic. We talked about it last Bible study in the difference between the Old Testament covenant, the law, and the new covenant, the gospel. And so the glory that shone on Moses' face was great, and people took notice of that, but he said the glory of the gospel far and above goes beyond the glory of the law. And he said, that's what I've delivered unto you. Now, he mentions in verse number Thirteen, And let's read it, and I'll make a quick comment and then get to the bulk of our time and the end of the chapter. The Bible said, "...and not as Moses which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ." But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. So there's some interesting information given to us here by the opinion of the Apostle Paul. And let's look at it. He says, not only was Moses' veil hinting that the law was hidden, but the glory on Moses' face would fade away as well. And it's a lesson that the law in due season would be Uh, what's the right word would come would decrease because the gospel would supersede would increase the law would lose its prominence in favor thank god of for this of the gospel there's a word in that verse and even in verse number 13 the word abolished means done away verse 7 and verse 11 talk about abolished uh it's uh the it's just done away his implicit point is this the glory of moses's face faded it wasn't perpetual it was not permanent that glory diminished and was gone after some time it was done away with and the point is to these jewish christian critics in corinth the law has also been done away with but the Bible said in verse 14, their minds were blinded. Isn't that, that's that's a strong thing, spiritually blinded. Why? Because of the hardness of their heart. That word blinded is the same thing as saying their heart or their mind was hardened. The idea is they had a calloused uh, a a callous heart, a calloused mind. They had scales over their eyes. They could not see the truth of the word of God. For until this day, remaineth at the same veil and taken away in the reading of the Old Testament. So he's referencing Isaiah six and verse nine and ten here, I believe, and talks about the spiritual blindness of Israel that was induced by their hardened heart. In fact, when Christ came, they ultimately rejected their Messiah, even though they'd prophesied about Him, they'd preached of Him, they'd been taught that He would come, and when Messiah Messiah came, they scorned him, they despised him, they rejected him, they stared face to face with the Messiah, and yet they said, he's not the Christ, he's not the one, and they ultimately led him to be crucified. There's a veil, there's a hardness, there's a blindness, and even now, maybe there's a Jewish friend listening, but I tell you this, when you go out soul winning, some of the hardest people to witness to are those who are Jewish, and uh, they just do not want to see it. It's so obvious, the New Testament, oh, the Old Testament, the harmonization in the two, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies in the life of Christ, and yet they cannot see it. Why? There is a veil there. The veil, the spiritual blindness, that hard heart that they've been inflicted with is still upon them, but thank God, one of these days, it'll be done away with, just like the law diminished, that'll be done away with. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil's upon their heart. So that's what I just said a minute. I remember witnessing in our town to a Jewish lady a couple years ago, and she was so belligerent. I mean, she wasn't just uh, saying, no, thank you. I mean, she was she was mad, and she wanted to argue, and I thought, oh, my, what blindness, what blindness, what blindness. Then you get down to verse number 17. It says, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So the contrast between the law and the gospel, of course, is the law condemned, but the gospel sets free should know the truth, and truth shall make you free, right? It's going to set you free. The gospel gives you liberty. Now, it gives you freedom from sin, but not freedom to sin. Today, the word liberty is being twisted around and misinterpreted and redefined by those that look for license to live like a lost individual, and yet say they're saved headed to heaven. Now, I think a saved person still sins. I know they do, but I don't think they want to live in it. I don't think they're looking for loopholes to get involved in it. But there's a crowd out there today that would try to take liberty and redefine it as not just freedom from, but freedom to, if I feel like it. Christ did not set me free from sin to sin. He set me free from sin to serve Him and live a life that glorifies the Father. The Lord is that Spirit. He talked about the Spirit in chapter 3, verse 3, and chapter 3, verse 6, and also in verse number 8. The Lord's the Spirit of the new covenant. The Spirit quickeneth, right? The flesh profiteth nothing. That Old Testament was written in the law, but this new one, uh, this new covenant is in the Spirit, it makes alive the law uh, condemned. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Those stones reminded them of their judgment, of condemnation, of law, but the gospel is about setting the captive free. Now, verse 18, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Beholding is in a glass. Think about what it says. It's like looking in a mirror, and it says we're changed or transformed, or we could even say transfigured. So the thought is with an unveiled face, we can behold ourselves in the mirror, and we can be transformed into the image of Christ from glory to glory. So here's the truth. As we from our heart, now in our heart, turn to Christ, right? The veil can be removed from our eyes. This is what happens when you get saved. And as we look at ourselves spiritually through the Word of God, we can see the very image of Christ in us. We've been transformed by His power and we're being conformed to His image. His glory is reflected in us like the glory shown on the face of Moses, but it's not just on, it is working through. And it's an astounding thing to think by the Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit within us is conforming us into the image of Christ. And that's a New Testament gospel truth and promise. That's all of our time for today. We have finished 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Join me next broadcast. We'll begin chapter 4. Until then, pray for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California.